couple weeks ago, we talked about negativity, a powerful topic of as our minds. Uh, you cannot have a positive life if you have a negative mind. And we talked about that. We talked about um, the, the temptation for us as Americans to live our lives in hurry and busyness and how that actually uh, massively impacts us in a negative way when it comes to us trying to follow Jesus. And we talked about that. Last week we talked about anxiety, uh, anxious thoughts, uh, and, and I, I got so much feedback from people last week, people who just thought that was so helpful uh, in so many different ways. And so if you, if you have not been here the, the last couple weeks, I want to encourage you to find those messages. You can find them on our website, rlcmn.church, and you can watch any of that stuff. It would be a good thing for you to do that. And that really just kind of brings us to today. Uh, mental health is a difficult topic. It's a difficult topic for us to talk about in church. Uh, it, it's a difficult topic overall. It shows itself in all sorts of ways. And all of us struggle with mental health at different seasons and different situations. Uh, circumstances and situations hit, they impact us mentally and emotionally. Uh, but the very real truth is that though all of us struggle in different ways with this topic, there are some of us, and some of us here today, and some of us on the other side of a screen right now, where where this topic of mental health and the battle that you face is heavy and it's deep and it's dark, could even be the words. Uh, and I have friends, I know people in this place today where that really describes you. That is what we're going to talk about today, okay? Uh, because there is some, for, for some of us here, this isn't based on um, events in our lives or anxiety like we talked about. It. Like there is a real depression uh, and anxiety that is deep, dark, and heavy. And if that's you, and if you got up and you got dressed today and you are here, um, you know, we, we celebrate with you right now. As I was praying about this uh, series, really, of messages a few months ago, I knew that today, I knew that this topic was going to be something on the radar, and this was going to be something uh, that we were going to talk about. But if I can just be transparent with you for a moment, like this is a topic that I feel probably the most unequipped to talk about. Um, I really do. This is probably the most difficult uh, thing I feel like I have ever spoke on. I mean, we, we just talked about pornography a couple weeks ago. That was a breeze compared to this uh, for me, really. Uh, th this is not a battle that I face in my life. Uh, I face different spiritual, emotional, physical battles, but this just isn't really one of them. Uh, but what I know to be true and what I've really been learning, and this could be said of all sorts of things in our world, is that just because I don't personally feel something doesn't mean that it's not real. Uh, you know, many of us in this place are, have never been in the military. Uh, we do not understand that. We don't understand what it's like for someone to be overseas and to come back and to deal with some of those types of things. Uh, but just because we've never experienced that does not mean that that is real, right? I mean, come on. And, and the situation can go in all sorts of different directions. The conversation can go with that. For me, in, in, in situations and in topics and in issues that I really cannot, uh, that I do not understand, I found personally that the way the best way for me to understand and to grow in this is actually to sit down with people who are in that situation and to just ask questions. 
and to just learn. And, and so for me, there's actually one person that has probably helped me the most in this, uh, in this area. And uh, in a month or so ago now, I asked her uh, to do something brave. And that was to come up here on the stage with me and for the two of us to just kind of have a conversation in front of you. And so part of the sermon today is actually going to be a little bit of an interview uh, type of thing with that. And, and then after we spend a few minutes talking about this, then we'll open up the Bible together. So um, here's how what I want us to do. I want to ask you to stand with me all over this place. And we're just going to start by praying together. And then uh, when, I, when, we're done with, when we're done praying, um, we're going to have... Uh, uh, we're going to have Michelle come, and we're going to just kind of get this started, okay? God, we just, we look to you, and we open our hearts and our minds, and we, we welcome you into this conversation in such a massive way, a, a, an issue that is heavy and deep for some, and an issue that is absolutely not understood by others. And God, we want to serve you best. We want to know you more. We want to love you better. And we want to help people. And so, God, we just invite you into this moment. We really do. And, uh, God, we pray all of this in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 All right. Give someone a high five and go ahead and have a seat. All right. Hey. Um, good morning, dude. Hey, man. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing all right. That's good. That's not a, too shaky. Not too, you're doing okay. Can I tell you a joke? Please. <laughs> All right, we'll just pretend like they're not here yeah, for now, okay? Um, I learned yesterday, I was out at this hayride in this farm, and I learned that uh, cows are actually terrible listeners. Like, they don't hear very well. It just kind of goes in one ear and out the udder. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. How did that, did that work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I want to. I want to just start. That this is, um, this is hard. This is a hard thing. And uh, this is my friend Michelle. I'm going to let her kind of introduce herself to you in a little bit and uh, understand some things here. She's being very brave here, kind of opening up about some things that have been very real in her life. And uh, I consider you one of like my favorite people my favorite friends. I'm going to make you cry here before we even start, and that's okay. Uh, but why don't, why don't we just start with this? Uh, many people don't know you at all here, Michelle. Let, take a minute and just tell us about yourself. Where, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Um, what, uh, and when did you start coming to our church here and all of that type of stuff? All right, so I was born and raised in Sox Center, Minnesota. I, I graduated. Oh, you do? Oh, that's, yeah, that's good. Great. <laughs> you can find it on a map. Good for you. Um, I, w I graduated from Sock Center High School, and then I moved to Fort Myers, Florida, went to school there for a, a couple years, and then I went to North Central University in Minneapolis, and um, when I was about four years ago, I met my wonderful husband, and we decided to relocate here, so I moved from Minneapolis back to Sock Center. Um, I started going to River of Life when I was about 15. So from 15 to 18, I considered this my home church. And then I was gone for a few years doing school and things. And now we've been coming for about uh, like three years, I think. Yeah, I love it. It's been so cool. And uh, tell us a little bit about 
your mental health situation and give us a little background from that. When did that start and kind of what has that been like for you? Yeah, so I'll kind of illustrate what my mental health is. As far as depression goes, I have something called major depressive disorder. And if you would picture a globe, we're going to put um, mania on the top. And mania comes with some mental health disorders. And we're going to put depression on the bottom. Now, most people spend their lives usually around the equator, maybe a little bit higher than the equator. They're doing a little bit better than average. Um, and with major depressive disorder, you kind of go from the South Pole and not quite up to the equator, and you kind of bounce down there, spending most of your time in that depression area of the South Pole. So I noticed that I had, or I had something. I didn't know what it was when I was about 14. Um, things were just really hard, and I didn't understand that I was different than a lot of people. Um, when I was 16, I was suicidal, and that continued until I was about 18, um, just with really, really dark depression. And when I went off to college, that didn't stop. Um, I continued to battle that. There were days that I just couldn't even go to class, and I thought something huge was wrong with me, like I was, or Maybe not. I, was, I thought I was kind of being lazy and I was kind of just being undedicated to what my commitments were. Um, and then in my early or mid-20s, there were some really dark, bad things that went on in my life and that happened to me, um, which brought, again, back the suicidal stages. And then I was properly medicated and being on medication has incredibly changed my life. Um, coming up here, I did not reestablish care with my psychiatrist or my psychologist. Mm -hmm. um, so coming up here, I actually came off of medication, and that was about a year ago, I um, went back into another suicidal stage and really dark depression, and that's when I was able to come to church and, as you know, um, connect with you, and you got me to the hospital, and I was then transferred to a mental health unit at a hospital. And there I got to reestablish care with, um, or start care with a psychiatrist and then reestablish care with my therapist and reestablish my medications. Yeah, now, and now that was a lot. And so I wanna just kinda, kinda pick a little bit through some of it. Um, you know, the, the illustration that she used with the globe and when we sat in my office, she. We, I had like a map there and she was pointing and basically just saying like a, a normal, normal people live their lives here and she was pointing at this map and you, know, you kind of had the equator and we, the equator is just like a normal nothing day for us and we have days where we're way above it and then we have days where we're below it and we just kind of travel through that and that's kind of normal life and just she, when you explain that to me that you know, your doctors and different things have ex explained it as like, it's like taking that whole mood right there and moving the whole thing down. And so her best days uh, are almost can be described as some of our worst days when, you, when it comes to emotionally and mentally and the way that you think and different things. And why, why, why is that? I mean, okay, so I'm going to just try to ask some questions, some very real questions here. Um, some of this we talked about ahead of time, and some of it I'm just going to throw on you and just see if I can make this as awkward as I can is really what I'm going for. So, um, and I can do that well. But I think for, for many of us in this place, you've nev we've never experienced this in any way, and it's hard for us to even grasp this idea of, 
I feel so down that I don't even want to get out of bed, that I don't even want to get dressed all the time, and that just being, and, and so what, explain a little bit, if you can, why do you feel like this is a thing? Uh, that's a weird question, but go for it. I'll try. Um, so why is this a thing? Well, so why, why, are, why do you think that some people have this? Is this is this a medical sickness? Is this based on something that has happened to people in the past? Is it a combination? Why, how does this work? Um, depression can manifest itself in many different ways. Some people get it because of situational, situ situational things. Um, some people, it is a clinical thing in their mind. Their mind does not, or their body does not make enough serotonin, which is what makes us happy. Um, so if you're body isn't producing that, then generally people who have clinical depression need to go on to medications so that they can have at least a little bit more normal of amount of serotonin so that they, they can function at a normal level. Okay, now, so when you talk about medication, medication in the church world ha has, over the years, has kind of been controversial in this situation, okay? And where, where some people, for sure, and I grew up with people like this who viewed medication for that type of thing as really not real and not needed and that we kind of live in a culture where anyone can go into the doctor and the doctor just gives medication to everybody who feels sad. Like seriously, there, we, you know, this has kind of just been in the church for a long time. So you, in the way, I'm hearing this that you would be very pro medication in your situation. In my situation, yes. If I didn't have medic medication, I don't think I would be sitting here with you today. And what is, so what is medication, you talked a little bit about it replacing some of that stuff in there. Is that kind of the medication that you, that you take? Yeah. Awesome. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your faith. Okay, so first, I, um, has it been difficult for you to reconcile this type of stuff with your faith in God? Has that been a difficult thing for you over the years? Um, yes, absolutely. It's been a struggle to be where I am right now. And um, I know that a lot of people believe that if you just pray more, you'll, you'll be healed. If you just have enough faith, you'll be healed. And th those are things that a lot of people who have mental health disorders get hurt by, um, those claims right there. But I have reconciled to the point that I know that um, one, God made the doctors who are providing the medication for me, and that gives me a little bit of a healing. But also, when I die, I get to go to heaven, and I get to be with Jesus. And yeah. at that point, I won't have this anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, answer this question, like, what, what has God done in your life? Spe not specifically, it doesn't have to be about this, but just, like, what has God done? You talked about 15, you're 15, and you start coming to church. That was, you were like, you didn't even come with your family. You weren't you like a teenager that came all by yourself when you're 15, okay? And then what has God done through the years in you? Yeah, well, my family, I grew up going to the Lutheran church we actually prayed for this morning. And I was sitting there when I was about 14, and I just went, huh, she has to be up there talking at me for some reason. And at that point, I found some friends in school who were going to other churches and who were really excited about church. I wasn't exactly excited about church growing up. And so I started coming here, and um, I was 16 when I first started a relationship with the Lord, and I was saved. 
and since then, it's definitely been ups and downs. We talk about that, how we're sometimes farther away from God. We sometimes don't pursue him as much as we should. Um, so there's been a lot of that, and depression plays a big part of that. But through it all, God has done some huge things in my life, and every single thing that he does makes me want to have a relationship with him more and yeah, more, and a deeper on. and deeper relationship with him. That's so good. Talk a little bit about um, the Somali community and kind of what God has yeah, so I lived in Minneapolis for a couple years, and I took a class called, it doesn't matter because I don't remember what it's called anyway. Yeah, um, it was a good but one. But I read, it was a good one. <laughs> I read a book called The Somali Diaspora, and it was all about the Somali people getting to America, and it absolutely broke my heart for the Somali community. And so I started teaching at a school down there that was an all-Somali school. It was amazing. And then I moved up here and got plugged into a school in St. Cloud that had a very large Somali population as well. And then two, two years ago, almost to the day, we left for our trip to Kenya where we went to Eastley and Corey's back there fist bumping. And we got to work with a lot of Somali people and that is where God opened my heart and my mind and very much told me that that is the avenue that I need to be pursuing is to be a missionary to Muslim Somalis. Come on, you should clap for that. That's pretty special. I love that. Uh, you talked a little bit about well-meaning Christians and churches hurting people in different ways. That, that, and that's something that as I have communicated with people who have kind of been on the same road that she's been on, I hear that often. Uh, just that a church when I was a kid hurt me because of this. They didn't treat this very well. And so I just want to ask you this question. What are some things that Christians and churches have done or do that are unhelpful to people in your situation? You referenced a little bit like um, praying that away or I mean what, what do you, how, do, how are we unhelpful in that situation? Um, those specific examples I gave earlier, praying it away, have enough faith for it to be taken away, things like that. But then also pretending that it's not real. Like I know that I don't have a cast on my leg and you can't see that I'm hurting, but just because I'm not wearing a cast doesn't mean that it's any less real. Um, forgetting about it is something that can be difficult. Um, That's great. That's great. What advice would you give to our church and me, I guess, of how we can best help people who are experiencing what you've experienced? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that has helped me is when people ask, what do you need? Not what do you want, because a lot of people are kind of more reserved when they have that wording, but what do you need? Um, when you ask that question, people it sounds a little different, and you yeah. hear it a little differently. Or when you stop me, we, we brought this up in our interview, and you said, how are you? And usually people will give just kind of a blanket answer. I'm good, I'm fine. But when you stop the person and say, no, how are you really doing? Yeah. And make, make them know that you actually care, you actually want to hear. It's not just something that you say as a greeting. It's something yeah. that actually requires conversation. Yeah, and there, and speak a little bit to, there are some of us in this place who we don't deal with this personally, but we deal with this in a loved one, in someone that, that we live with or a great friend or something. Um, can you give us, I mean, you kind of just co started covering that a little bit, but give us some advice. If, if we live with someone who 
um, is dealing with this, what can we do to help things, okay? So we, we ask, what do you need at different times? We ask questions, how, how are you really feeling? Um, is there anything else that you could tell us that would help those people? Yeah, well, I think my husband would be better equipped to do this because he does this all the time yeah. and he's amazing at it. Um, but don't give up on them. Um, don't let it become something that is irritating to you or difficult, too difficult for you. I know um, from, just from things that I've been through, it often feels like, oh, I don't want to be that person again. I don't want to be that person who is always bringing you down or who always needs something. Um, but just always supporting them, always asking what they need, um, not what they want, what, and then getting them to do things that they love is really huge, not isolating, um, not being stuck alone. A lot of times when people are in depression, they don't want to do anything. They don't want to get out of the house, but get them out of the house. Get them to do something, something that they enjoy, and just support them and always ask them, what can you do for them? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Ooh, and help them to get the professional help they need if that's something that they need. That's massive, too. What, what about church? What role has church played in this for you personally? Um, this church has been really amazing in, in its role in my journey through depression. Um, this is my safe space. This is my space where if I don't feel like I can get out of bed in the morning, if I'm not, if I don't have the energy to get dressed in the morning, this is the place that I want to be the most because this is the safest place for me to not be okay and not have to hold myself together. This is where the hurting can be yeah. just how they are. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. Um, I know there are people here today, and we're kind of closing this part now for you, okay? But I know there are people here today, people who are watching right now, who are personally, they know this struggle very well, and they have walked this as well. Um, what would you want to say to them today to encourage and help those people specifically? Um, please don't give up is the first thing. Don't give up. Keep fighting. Um, I know that it can be so beyond difficult, difficult beyond words, but don't isolate yourself. Reach out to people who are in your community, or if you don't have people to reach out to, get involved in a life group. Um, start making those connections so that you have someone to reach out to. Get the professional help that you need. It's not shameful. It's not embarrassing. It's necessary. It's just like if someone had a broken limb, you would not discourage them from going to the doctor. If somebody's mentally not, um, if they're mentally sick, you should not discourage them from going to the doctor. Um, they need professional help just like any other ailment would and do something for yourself that you love. Like, if you love being outside, go take a walk. If you love getting your nails done, get those darn nails done. Do something for yourself that is going to lighten um, the mood that you're in. I love it. Thank you. So good. Um, you talked a little bit when we were talking earlier about just kind of the importance of taking off the mask. Um, what does that mean for you? Yeah, um, it's so easy. I have a nice smile. People tell me all the time. I laugh a lot. I'm into jokes. And so it's so easy for me to put on a mask and pretend that I'm okay. But 
have the courage to take your mask off because you're not doing yourself a favor just by wearing that um, metaphorical mask around and hiding who you really are and what's really going on. Yeah. You're not going to get the help that you need by hiding. Yeah, La last thing, um, you have this white folder and I actually meant to bring it because I have yours right now. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that is yeah. and how that helps. A great resource if you are someone who is going through um, mental health issues or if you have a loved one who is, it's called the Wellness Recovery Action Plan. The, action, the acronym is RAP. It's a book written by Mary Ellen Copeland. And it's this little red book and it has a guide in it. And you fill out, um, there are eight different stages that you fill out. You fill out from how you are when you're healthy to how you are when things are getting a little worse and worse and worse. And it's just this incredible tool that really makes you think about how your life is when you're depressed and how you can more be better at self-managing and getting the help that you need when you need it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great resource. W-A or W-R-A-P, RAP, Wellness Recovery Action Plan. Uh, that's so good. Do you have a joke or anything you want to tell us? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What did the janitor say when he jumped out of the closet? Supplies! <laughs> Come on, will you put your hands together? Okay. Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much. Seriously, that, that's, uh, it's so brave and so good. And uh, you have helped me a lot in this, by the way. Seriously, more than I think you even understand. And... Uh, even this week we sat down, we were sitting down and we were in my office and we were just talking about Sunday and, and I found myself like asking her questions like, so is it okay if I say this? Is it okay if I say it this way? Am I understanding this correctly? And uh, she's, she's just so blunt with me. She's just like, no, you probably don't want to say that. Uh, and oh, yeah, and that is correct. Oh, this, and so it really, like I just, I consider you such a great friend and I just so much appreciate uh, that you did this. And I do want us to just spend a few minutes. I have this little short thing um, that, uh, that I want to look to the Bible with. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 12, if you have that, and I'm not going to be long. I don't have a lot of time. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12, a small part we're going to read of one of the letters written by the Apostle Paul. It's a, it's a, it's a scripture passage that is controversial at times. It's debated um, in different circles, uh, in different ways, but here's what we're really going to see. We're going to see uh, the Apostle Paul who wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament, and we're going to see that he has some sort of a physical, emotional, mental issue of some sort, and he prays and he prays and he prays to God that God would take it away and God speaks to him and tells him something that I think can be helpful for us today. And so here we go. I want us to read this together. We're going to just take a few minutes to talk about this, and then we're going to spend some time praying. Uh, and so 2 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to start kind of halfway through verse number 7. Here's what he writes. He says, In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now, uh, just before this, in this letter, Paul has talked about these false teachers who are boasting in all that God has done through them in different ways, and Paul begins to talk about his 
his experience with God and how it actually has humbled him and how it has kind of brought him that way. Uh, and Paul says, to keep me humble, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Let's talk about this really quick. Um, first of all, we, we have guesses to what this means when it comes to the thorn in his flesh, but we really don't know. Uh, scholars will give all sorts of different ideas. Probably the number one uh, idea that seemed to be the most popular is that, is that people thought that Paul was going blind. Uh, and the reasons are that they, uh, in this time frame in history, like uh, eye bacteria and eye diseases was a massively common thing. People went blind often. People's visions were impacted. They didn't have basic medicine for some bacteria stuff that would happen. And a lot of, you know, that's why when you read the Bible and you look at, and it seems like Jesus is always healing someone who's blind. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of blind people in the days of Jesus, uh, and so many people believe that, that it had to do with his eyes, uh, and one scholar thought it was hemorrhoids. Seriously, that was in there. I read that, and I was like, okay, he didn't give any reason why. He just thought it was. Uh, one, one person that I read was convinced it was a mental thing, that it was a mental illness of some sort, uh, because Paul talks a lot about his battle with the mind in some of his other writings. Uh, but bottom line, nobody, we really don't understand this, this thorn in my flesh and what this actually means uh, from, for, for him. Um, of course, the writers of the Bible did not write this in English, and so Paul wrote this letter actually in the language of Greek. And as I study, was studying this this week, um, all sorts of things from the original language and definitions and translations kind of helped me and jumped out. And so I want to show you a handful of those. Paul says, a messenger of Satan came to torment me. Okay, what does that mean, first of all? The word messenger is the, actually the Greek word for angel, as funny as that is. Same word that you'd use for the angel Gabriel or whatever else. The word torment is the Greek word uh, kolophize, which is a ver very literally translated as to beat someone up or to slap someone in the face. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so very literally here, Paul says God allowed Satan to send one of his angels, or we would use the word demons in how we talk, to slap me in the face or to beat me up uh, in order to keep me humble. That's what we have so far. Now that's crazy to think about, isn't it? Um, and listen, like when I read the Bible, I find that our safety and our happiness like, and our comfort is really just not God's top priority in our lives. And we see this over and over and over again. If Paul's safety and security and comfort were God's top priority in his life, Paul's life would have been very, very different. And we wouldn't have this in our Bible. God allowed Satan to send a demon to slap me in the face in order to keep me humble. That's what Paul has just written. Verse number eight, three times... I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times I pleaded, uh, three times I prayed that God would take this thing, whatever it is, this thorn away from me. Uh, three times, scholars believe, is a parallel with Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus played, prayed three times to God that God would take that away and that this cup would not have to happen to him or what, you know, that he would not have to die as Jesus prays that there. Um, this is not a lack of faith. It, it, Paul was a man of crazy faith. And, and, and in fact, let me just kind of put something to rest here 
there are Christian circles and all sorts of TV preacher type of people that put a lot of emphasis on what's called faith healing. And the idea is if the person has enough faith, then God will heal them. That, that is all over the place. And I talk to even some people um, locally who think that way. Okay, it's just not what we see. Also, the unfortunate teaching uh, that, that, that God wants every believer healed and delivered from every problem, like when you read this right here, it kind of doesn't help with that, does it? This is a reoccurrent, painful problem that teaches Paul a great spiritual lesson. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. I want us to pause for just a moment here and to think about that. God's power does not show itself in your strengths. God's power does not show itself in the things that you are good at. In the massive amounts of money or talent that you have, God's power doesn't show itself in that way. God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Like, I know you feel like you're suffering. I know, it, I know it doesn't make sense. I know it's horrendous at times, and you don't know what to do. I know that there are times in talking to Michelle about this, like, where it just gets so bad where you want it all to end, and you want it all to be done. And, and, and listen, I know that your weakness, in a way, sometimes can feel a lot worse than other people's weaknesses. If this is you and this is who you're talking about, he continues, he says, he says, Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. Um, this word may rest on me is actually the Greek word, it's the same Greek word that they use for the word perfect. Perfect, kind of a weird translation. But it's like God's power will be made perfect inside of me. Verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That doesn't make any sense, does it? When I am weak, then I am strong. I will boast about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sakes, I delight in this. Now, there are three words, and we're kind of building this all up um, to, to a big ending here that I think is going to be helpful. There are three words. There are three words right in the middle of all of that, and they make all the difference in the world in what Paul is saying here, and they make all the difference in the world as we try to deal with some of the most difficult things in our life. Paul says this, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses. For Christ's sake, I delight, I boast about them. For Christ's sake, I'm okay with the fact that Satan has slapped me in the face. Kind of a weird thing to say and beat me up. For Christ's sake, I am now okay with the fact that God has not healed me of this thorn and taken it away. For Christ's sake. Now, People in the medical community, when they talk about depression and they talk about serious, heavy mental illness, and they, they talk about it in sickness terms. It's the words that they will use. Body issues, chemical issues, clinical depression we hear, uh, that things that lead to something not being right in our mind. Now, as I studied this this week, something very interesting jumped at me. 
Paul, over and over and over in this passage of scripture, he actually used, he uses the word weakness. Have you heard that? Weak, in my weaknesses, in weak, weak, he, over and over he says that. This word translated weakness, it's the Greek word astheno, astheno, which is the word weak, but it's also the same exact word that they use in the Greek language for the word sick. Isn't that interesting? Sickness, sick. It's the same exact word all over the New Testament. Half the time it's translated weak. Half the time it's translated sick or disabled in that way. Like this, this passage could be read, I delight in my sickness. For when I am sick, then I am strong. When I am sick, then I am strong. Music team, please come. Let's kind of bring this all home together. Michelle got up here today um, and in a way took off her mask in front of everybody. Did you see that? Like, difficult. Um, she probably would say she took off her mask already and maybe doesn't like that, but just many of you don't know her. And so she got up in front of everyone today and basically just said, a lot of the time I'm not okay. A lot of the time, I'm not okay. There are seasons in my life when I'm really not okay. And um, there are seasons in my life when I want to give up and when I don't want to do this anymore. And there are things that help. And she listed a bunch of different things and awesome things, helpful things for those very, very practical things for some of us who are dealing with this in different ways. But she, she gets up here today and she and if you know her heart, it's really just this. It's like, God, God, I, I give you my life and I give you my junk and my feelings and my depression and my weakness. And some days I don't do this very well and other days I do it better. And my life is, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster of difficulty. But God, for you, to you be the glory. And really this phrase, like for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, like listen, listen. Our weaknesses are God's opportunities to reveal himself and to reveal his will to us. Our weaknesses, our sickness is, is an opportunity for God to reveal himself and his will to us. I know it doesn't feel like that all the time. I know it may, I know it may seem like a cop-out to some of us here today. Your weakness, your sickness is God's opportunity to show his strength. It's God's opportunity to show himself like through a broken and a hurting and a desperate life. And it's God's opportunity to reveal himself to you. For Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. Paul understood what it was like to suffer. And that's for some of us, that's what this is. That's, that's the word that you would use. It's like, I'm suffering in my mind. I'm suffering in my depression. Do you know who else knows what it's like to suffer? Jesus. Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. I've heard it said, you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. Uh, probably more accurate is to say you're never more like Jesus than when you suffer. Than when you suffer. And this this week I've been I've been listening to I've been listening to this song on repeat this week, and I listened to it again this morning. Uh, let me read you the lyrics of this. Uh, it just says this: the perfect Son of God 
in all his innocence here walking in the dirt with you and me. He knows what living is. He's acquainted with our grief, man of sorrow and son of suffering. Now check this part out. Blood and tears, how can it be? There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. Praise the one who had reached for me. Hallelujah to the son of suffering taken from Isaiah 53. Will you stand with me all over this place? There's a God who weeps. There's a God who bleeds. There's a God who weeps when you weep and who feels what you feel. There's a God who is familiar with suffering, who is familiar with grief, a God who is close to brokenhearted people, a God that shows his strength in our sickness and in our weakness. And I want to I want to just kind of close here today by, by doing a couple things. First, I want, to, I want to speak directly to those who this is your battle. And you are here today, and I may have not done this topic justice in any sort of a way, but what I, what I want you to hear is that we care and that we aren't just going to push this under the rug. We aren't, we aren't going to make false and weird claims that churches maybe have done for you and made things worse and hurt. That's not who we want to be around here. We're a church that believes that God does miracles and we pray for supernatural things to happen and we believe that God can do that. But, you know, Paul says, I prayed three times and God said, no, there is something bigger here. And I just want you, I want you to feel safe I want you to feel like you can take your mask off here and not be okay. And that this can be a place where you come receive help and prayer. Get help. Don't isolate yourself. There's all sorts of things that Michelle said. Okay, put together a plan. That action plan is fantastic as I went through that with Michelle. Amazing thing, incredible content. We just want, we want you to know and feel encouraged today. You are more than what you feel. There's a God that loves you and a God that sees you right where you're at. There's a God that has suffered, a God that weeps and a God that bleeds. And if that's you, if that's you today, we, we're here. We're here. And church, let me just speak to us for a moment. Let's not be a church that hurts people who are hurting. Come on, Let, let's be a church that opens our arms and our minds. And even though some of this we don't understand and we don't get, and maybe you, maybe you don't even have uh, the same type of, of, of thoughts about some of this, and maybe you still uh, question all of it and whatever else, okay, come on, let's not be a church that hurts the hurting. That, that, is, that is not okay. It's not okay for us to do that. So we'll, let's be people that are open and let's be people that help and let's be people that pray and aren't afraid to put arms around people uh, in, in different situations, right? Come on. Let's just take a moment here kind of as we end our service and, uh, and let's just pray together. So will you just join me as we pray? Father, we, we, just, we just come to you with our brokenness. 
in our weakness, in our sickness. And God, we just, we just look to you. We look to you, God. We know that you use stuff like this for good. We know that your power and your strength is shown in the places where we are the most weak. And God, I pray right now, I pray for that person who is here today who, and who is literally like at the end of the rope in their life. And this topic and this issue has them so down and beat up. And, and God, they don't know what to do and where to turn. They want this to be done. God, I just pray for strength in this moment and strength through today. God, that we would understand that you are sufficient for today and God that that we would get up and put our clothes on and God do whatever that we can to fight this God that we'd put the right people in our lives that we would surround ourselves with good that we would listen to the right type of music and even and even attempt to move in that direction but God I just pray I pray that in this moment right now that 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 those people that those here today would feel your love and your grace and that they would feel a church family that cares and that is here. God, we just pray for that. We pray for those people. God, we also just pray for our church that we would truly be like just a hospital for the hurting. God, that we would not be kicking people when they're down. God, with our well-meaning but wrong junk. God, but that we would love people and know and, and know you better. God, your heart love God let that be the center of who we are and so God we just pray for this topic God we struggle to even put words into this but God we just we want you to be the center of it all God we love you for Christ's sake we will live God to see your your strength show in our weakness and so God we love you and we thank you and it's in your name we pray one thing before we're done we just always want to give people an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus for the first time. If you're here today and you have never said yes to Jesus, I'm not, to, I'm not asking if you've been baptized or confirmed or go to church. Like, if you have never just said, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe in you. I receive you and your forgiveness. If that's you today with no one looking around, will you just show me your hand? I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you online right now behind a screen you can respond to this okay click a button say a prayer with us you can respond to this as well anyone in this place that would just say yes to this is my day let's just pray this together church pray father god i give you my life thank you for sending jesus to die for me forgive me of my sins and change my life your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we just put our hands together? All right. Hey, thank you so much for coming today. Let's be people that that, that work towards good, that help people who are hurting. Amen. Amen.